It's bad ink, Jam, but not as we know it. This is bad This is Bashcast, episode number... One, seven, five. It is 14 minutes past 46pm on Thursday the 22nd of July 2021. This afternoon's bash cast, it is 472.8 degrees Fahrenheit in my office right now. So the uh, the windows are open. There's going to be plenty of ambulances and ambulance sirens going by. I hope you've got the alcohol by the ready. We talk about Freedom Day and the end of lockdown. Which also transitions into a sort of new evolution, a new generation of trackers that are very nearly ready, that we've got coming on the Bookie Bashing site. After that, discuss a William Hill court case regarding the Sports Offers Extra coupon. And we'll finish today with why you're a prick. All of that and more coming up in this afternoon's Bashcast. Well done everyone for getting to Freedom Day. Happy Freedom! Don't know how free you're feeling. Still can't really go on holiday anywhere, can we? I went down to view cinemas as well with my son. I thought that we didn't need to wear masks anymore, but they wouldn't let me in without one. 
So uh, I tried, I chanced my arm and said that I was exempt, even then. That exempt. That's an early one. And the lady asked me to show my medical records. I was fuming, so I stormed out. <laughs> Although we were going to see Dog Tanyan and the Three Musketeers, so I stormed out in a half and then I just went to get my mask and stormed back in again. Sat in an empty cinema with, my, with a mask on. That seemed clever. I think everyone's got this sort of safety blanket of masks just now. Like very worried people want to cling on to them. You can believe what you want. I think my belief is that they, they didn't serve a purpose other than other than giving people a security blanket, from what I've read. There seems to be a con con contradictory statements. There are some people saying it completely reduces transmission. Other people saying the droplets are too s the virus is too small and it will get through the gaps. See, depends who you read. But what I do think is that when you turn up in a playground or in an open environment to pick up the kids or something like that, you certainly don't need one. The school's just playing safety first. But I went to get the kids two weeks ago. I turned out of my drive and I turned down the country lane to go and get them. And I'm sort of, I think I've just glanced at my phone. Don't tell the police. I've glanced at my phone because... I think the result of a horse race is through. And, um... Alright, let's put you on quiet up here. And then I've not been looking and everyone just comes to a stop in the country lane for no reason. I couldn't figure out about me and the three cars in front of me. Um, so I'm like, all right, someone's broken down. I'm sure we'll just overtake them soon. And then I'm sat in the car and I see the car that's at the front, which is three cars in front of me. The woman just gets out of the car and starts running down the middle of the road, like down the middle of the road. So that's a bit weird, isn't it? The woman just running down. Why would why would the woman have just stopped and started running down the middle of the road like a loon, like a lunatic? Um, and so various thoughts go through my mind, all of which made me look pathetic. Um, is she being chased? Is she being attacked? If she is being attacked, does she need help? If she is being attacked and she needs help, does is she being attacked by someone with a big knife? That might attack me if I help her. There you go, that's how brave I was. Super Tom to the rescue. Anytime you need help. I was like, well, everyone else, it was one of those. It was that everyone else is sat in their cars watching what's happening. So I'm going to get out and have a look. And I get out and have a look. I'm stood in the middle of the road. I see the woman running down the road to the pub. And in the middle of the road is a bicycle with a m large man lying on his back. <laughs> That's not good. Uh, so I ran over to the chap. Pretty pretty heavy set dude, this guy. He was wearing lycra. It was a hot day. Uh, I would say he was the wrong side of 20 stone. Um, and he's just lying in the middle of the road staring straight up. And there's a pool of blood collecting around his head. Uh, it's quite a gruesome sight. So I give 999 a ring. 
and as I'm on the phone to 999, the woman has run to the pub and she's come back with the manager. And uh, 999 go on speaker and um, they say, right, uh, has the guy got a pulse and is he breathing? And he, and he didn't and he wasn't. So the advice was to start CPR. So I'm not the coolest customer in emergency situations. And I was kind of frantically like sort of saying, right, you do this. I don't know. Can someone come and help? Who, who can do CPR? And then the manager from the pub took over and he started sort of one, two, three, four. Um, and I'm giving advice from 999 on speakerphone, but I'm just kind of standing there on speakerphone giving advice. And then the 999 operator say, uh, they're, they've sent the ambulance over. They want to know what's happened and they want people to go around in um, turns doing the CPR because... It's exhausting, especially with a guy this big, because it's like there's a there's a lot of chest to get through to get to the muscles. Um, and ten minutes later, there's been no breath, no pulse, still doing CPR, no sign of the ambulances, despite the fact that I'm only outside my house. And how many times do you see hear an ambulance go past on the Bashcast? This is the one moment that ten minutes go by and there's no ambulance. And the pool of blood's getting bigger. That's the gruesome thing. You're trying to, like, kneel and get close to him. You can't do anything but kneel in his own blood. Um, and 999 being aware of um, how long this has been, asked me to go and find a defibrillator from somewhere. Well, there isn't one in the pub. So I'm like, well, hold on. I can't move my car because it's chock-a-block and both... We've closed the road, essentially. Like, traffic in both directions isn't getting past us, isn't trying to get past us. The two cars between me and the front car, by the way, at some point just sat in their car and then both did a three-point turn and just disappeared. We were obviously inconveniencing their day. They're not the guys that you want in an emergency. Um, at all, you know. Obviously, it was too much of an inconvenience, or they just found that they didn't know what to do, so they disappeared. Either way, poor show, poor form. So I, this, I said, well, maybe I could run to the cricket club, but it's a long way. I mean, it's like it'll be ten minutes there and back. I'm, sh and I'm sure the ambulance will be here by then. So maybe I'm better off here with the CPR guys than I am running around looking for a defibrillator that I don't know exists. You know, because I can't drive anywhere. I sort of override 999, which is an interesting, I don't know. It's an interesting concept. Like, I have plenty of pals. In fact, I have a pal who is a um, who's a surgeon who has done years in A&E come round and have a chat with me that night. And, like, they have to make these decisions and override people all the time. But I'm not anyone. I'm not, like, a medical guy. I've got no medical training. My wife once described me as the opposite of a key worker. So me overriding whoever's on the other side of 999 with all of their training and everything like that felt like an interesting one, but I was the one on the ground and I was like, nah, I'm not, I'm, it's not the thing to do to go find this defibrillator. Um, eventually the ambulance turn up and then we're all kind of standing there like lemons because of course no one's going to come and say, are you okay? Because we've got a dead guy on the ground to look after and try and bring back to life. So we're stood there, and I'm late for my kids, like by half an hour. I phoned someone to go and to pick them up, but she's called back to say that obviously the school aren't going to give a random person the kids, which is obvious, you know what I mean? Otherwise, exes around the country would be turning up and stealing the children when they shouldn't be doing whatever. 
Um, and I'd given them a statement over 999, and they had my details. I was like, right, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go and get the kids. So I went to pick them up. As I sort of drive away, I hear the uh, ambulance helicopter land on the cricket pitch of the ground that I was going to go and see I had a defibrillator or not um, next to me. It was all very mad. It was a crazy situation. And then I took the kids swimming, but couldn't really stop thinking about it. It was like bizarre. One of the things I was thinking about is that I was certainly, I was not the hero. I was just a guy that was there that didn't do a U-turn and drive away. The manager from the pub, Neil, he was a hero because he came and just organised everything and got everything structured and started doing all the right things. You know what I mean? Just one of those people. And like, I'm in my 40s. This guy was young 30s. He was the guy that was taking control. Good on him. Good on you, Neil. So, um, on the way back from swimming, uh, I'm like, I'm going to go in the pub and just buy Neil a pint. I just fancy having a chat with him. You know what I mean? Even if I just, even if he's working, I'll just buy him a pint for being a, he was the hero. I'm going to buy him a pint for me being a hero. So I pass the pub on the way home and I stop. I've got the two kids in the car. This is before the heat wave. So I'm like, kids just sit in the car for two or three minutes whilst I pop in. I go and stand in the pub. And, you, and in all pubs, you have to sort of stand at the doorway still after this pandemic. Um, and I'm just standing there. And I'm, if he's there, I'm going to buy him a pint. And if he's not there, I'm just going to ask the girl to put a pint behind the bar for him. You know what I mean? Um, and I stand there waiting for someone to notice me. And then the lady behind the face, the plastic face shield behind the plastic face uh, um, sheeting on the bar turns to me and just goes, Hah! that was exactly what she said. And I'm just staring at her because I didn't understand it. Um, and then she runs her face over her head and goes, again, I think it's like the layers of plastic between her vocal cords and my ears made it incomprehensible so i'm still just staring at her staring at her and then she shouts over mask like that and runs her hand over her face that's the mask sign these days apparently and i just look at her and i'm like well for god's sake i mean I'm, i don't have one on me i'm sorry um and she says well you'll have to wait outside and I, all the trauma from that afternoon kind of focused on her because i'm like jesus f and h christ Someone's died outside earlier today, and I've shared this experience of some kneeling in the blood that's coming out of his head with the manager of the pub, and I can't even stand in here and say thanks or anything because because you won't have me in this room post post Freedom Day, post pandemic, wearing a bit of cloth over my face that may or may not have holes in it that are too big to keep the particles at bay anyway. Didn't the government say that they ordered the advice to put these plastic sheets up in the pub and then there was a scientific review that said that actually it reduced air circulation and made the problem worse? But of course, people are scared. It's not her fault that she's scared. She's been sort of drummed into submission. So I stand um, at the doorway waiting to be noticed and she shouts over to... So I'm outside the pub and she shouts over, I have to wait outside of the car park now. So being outside isn't enough. I've got to be out of the car park. off the land and I'm utterly furious with this woman because there's no compassion anymore um have you heard of these Stamford experiments 
<laughs> anyway, uh, I sort of stand halfway across the car park and one of the waitresses comes over and I tell her what happened and she invites me into the pub without a mask, um, much to the chagrin of the old lady behind the bar. Um, and uh, I buy the manager a pint and then uh, I turn up at nine o'clock later that night and just have a couple of drinks with them and discuss it through and talk it through and talking it through is the best thing that I could have done a best thing well I don't know I don't want to speak for him but he was saying that it was really good to speak it through just because it was so completely random uh, apparently the guy had a pulse before they flew him away in the air ambulance which is not something that I knew until later that night so that's something I'll never know if he's... It's the weird thing about these things. The, the police never phoned me for a statement. The woman at the, the front car, apparently, she said that... She said that she didn't hit him and she just found him in the road. And that kind of makes sense. Because there was no dents in her car. And why would she lie? Because there would be so many witnesses to her doing it. Um, uh, so I don't believe that she hit him. So it's like, well, why is he there? Has he been hit by someone? Well, he, he was a he was a big dude, so maybe he'd had a heart attack because it was a hot day. It wasn't like now hot, like ridiculous hot, but it was a hot day. Um, but then the blood coming out of his head didn't make any sense either. So it was all very confusing. Hopefully the guy lived. But what, I mean, I'll never know. That's the weird thing about these things. You'll just never know. So you just get on with like the, the next day, you get on with it. And that's life. You just have to transition on. You move on to a new. You move on to a new field of perspective. Talking about moving on to a new field of perspective. About eighteen months ago, we came up with uh, a list of um, requirements on our um, technology at Bucky Bashing that we currently couldn't fulfil. One of the major things is that whilst we can track Betfair prices live, we can track odds checker track. Uh, prices live and we can do some simple calculations you know um, team to win an over one goal is the lay price to win minus the lay price of one nil there are there are issues all around here and the, the main issues are first of all just using the lay price for everything will always give a pessimistic uh, benchmark uh, sometimes it would be more accurate to use the last price match, sometimes the midpoint, sometimes the back price, sometimes the lay price. It actually depends on the market conditions, the liquidity and everything like that. Uh, so first of all, lay price, terrible indicator just to benchmark. Especially, by the way, once you start doing complex calculations. Let's take the simple team to win an over one goal. So a team to win an over one goal is a team to win either 2-0, 2-1, everything but 1-0. So if you take the lay price of the win and you subtract the lay price of the 1-0, then you could get a price. But what you've done there is you've taken pessimism and you've subtracted pessimism. So you've got double pessimism there. And actually, as you do these calculations and you add in more attributes, you you in exponentially increase the pessimism for every single attribute you add into the calculation, right? So um, we, we sort of realized... That's not the way to go about doing tracking complex calculations. On top of that, we've got all of these different um, lines for goals, corners, cards, split by team and by half and by period in the match. I mean, if you want to do corners between the, uh, sorry, goals between the 15th and 27th minute and um, corners by half and etc., we can do all of those. Um, but 
we couldn't track them live um, so everything goes up as a static price and over time what we've realized on bookie bashing is if you're just gonna hit um, value that's benchmarked against the exchange lay price then you're competing against all of the match betters and even if it's something that can't be laid but can be worked out um, against the lay prices against the exchange very easily, then you're just competing against everyone else that is um, painting by numbers. What we want is a tracker that we can put up, um, for example, over 32 goals in the Norwegian Elitserien, whatever, whatever that league's called, um, this afternoon, or over 10 goals over two corners, um, which we do in the combo bets, but... Um, the combo bets tracker was kind of uh, the testing ground for this new tracker. So 18 months ago, we put it together the um, the requirements and we sort of worked backwards. Okay, if we want all of this, we're going to have to have our own databases going on in Bookie Bashing. Daily goals, detailed games, shots on target, even um, 180s and things like that. We're going to have to manage them. We're going to have to have them live and scraping the data sources. And then we have to have the calculations in place in the background, which in essence was the bet builder. And let me tell you, I think we estimated 18 months ago that this would be live in September last year, and it's now July this year. I've worked on some seriously majorly complicated uh, professional engineering ID projects in my life. Before leaving the corporate world to be a professional gambler, the most expensive and complicated asset management system in Europe is the asset management system that monitors and projects the condition of the M25 road network because you've got 2,000 kilometers or lane kilometers of um, asphalt within which about every 10 centimeters have lasers fired into them to measure the condition of them and they're all different um, they're all different types of materials some are concrete some are asphalt some are high friction surfacing and it's a really really complicated um, both database uh, and series of calculations to project live data from that database and I worked on that and let me tell you this has been more complicated than that. Uh, it's just... It's not that it's dragged on through bad management or poor IT or poor coding or anything like that. It's dragged on because of how complicated it's been to do this. But it's around the corner. We tentatively, and we've said this a few times, but I think we're very hopeful it'll be up uh, for the um, beginning of the next season. Apologies if you're not in bookie bashing. This probably doesn't mean anything to you. But in terms of like my own betting, you know, the private tracker just there, the ability to be able to track any of these complicated. I mean, what am I tracking just now? I'm tracking. Um, um, oh, I've got labels from GSO eleven. This was a complex one. This was um, uh, all either team to win and both teams to score. Sorry, it was all eight teams to score over four matches and any three teams to win um, in the Copa Libertados and the Copa Supertados uh, in South America, right? Um, sorry, Super Americano and Libertados. So for that, 
just to break down a simple goals one, and this isn't even any corners, cards, goal scorers, benchmarking from shots on target players, odds check or anything like that. This is just simple goals. Uh, we have to take the away team and the home team. We have to take the over 2.5 price from Betfair. We have to create a correct score market between nil nil and 2020. We have to count up all of the scores that equal, um, you know, one of the teams to win and both teams to score. So it's 2 1 3, 1 3, 2 4, 1 4, 2 4, 3, all the way up to 2019 for home and away. Then we have to have that for all four of the games. And then we have to do an or calculation. Um, to have um, more than two of those because it's any three teams to win and both teams to score. So that was the complicated bit, the orbit. Actually, the orbit was the complicated bit throughout the entire thing because there's a single calculation. It's um, The bet is just a trainer to have, um, for example, three or more horses win at Ascot this afternoon. Now, that's quite a rare bet. I don't know how much you bet on things like that but that's the most complicated bet that we were aiming to do because in order to do that you have to take a single race with which the trainer may have multiple horses in that race so you have to take that race you have to take the fair odds for each of them which may be the lay the back the midpoint um the last price match etc etc so you have to take the fair point uh, fair price of each of his horses in that race you then have to add them all up to get the odds of the trainer getting the winner in that single race. And then you've got uh, an or amongst the different races, which is a different or calculation in the world of probability, to work out if MR trainer is going to have three or more winners um, at Ascot this afternoon. That's the most complicated calculation we could think to do because it's an or embedded in an or and sometimes an and. Uh, and we've now got the bet builder into that sort of situation where it can cope with that. And I, by the way, that one single calculation, I think, comes up so infrequently, but we ended up spending so much time doing it. The private track is now updating odds nicely um, after a few bugs. You know, sometimes um, it accidentally gets... Well, so in the main track in the background, we've got the scrapers that go and visit Sky Bet and William Hill and Betfed and everything like that. And before, it could pretty much cope with normal names, um, say Man United, Liverpool and Arsenal to win. And possibly the sky bet, Man United and Arsenal to win and both teams to score. It was clever enough to do that, but that was about it. With the new tracker, what we can do is anytime an obscure team name comes up, it's got some artificial intelligence behind it that's going to both suggest the most likely team and by the way, it's never been not the first suggestion in what I've been playing with in the background. The, the thing it suggests is always the team that it is first. But also we can start setting up the bet constructs, a little bit like in the combo bet builder, how we've done that, where we've said it's talking about corners here, it's talking about cards here. And this means that we're going to kind of explode with the number of bets that we're bringing in from the scrapers through the bet builder and onto the main bet tracker, which will look differently. Uh, the old bet tracker sits on a different system called... I'm not the IT guy. Is it WordPress? It sits on a system that's complicated and uh, clunky and old and um, not ideal. It's something that me and Duncan set up, and we're not IT guys at the beginning, and then 
when Lee came around, he was like, we really should be using a different system. So you notice that the horse racing track and the golf track is, looks really clean and works really well and refreshes in the background. That's the sort of software and template that we need to use for the bet track. And once we've got that, we can delete that side of the site, just delete it. And therefore, an issue with people needing to log in when they go to different parts of the site. So it's really annoying. Even for me, I have to log in multiple times. So all of this is coming in the bet tracker. We'll still have the private tracker. But um, now with the bet tracker, I mean, here's an example. The sports offer extra coupon I was talking about here earlier. It's got a grid of like four rows and three columns there's 12 bets there and i might go through all 12 of those or bb team might go through all 12 of those and if they're negative ev that's it we just don't put them up obviously why are we going to waste our time putting up negative ev bets and if they're positive ev we'll put up the good ones as static bets which means they may drift if we're putting them up at two in the afternoon and the kickoff at 7 30. now what we'll do is we'll just put all 12 up because when we're working them out, we're using the bet builder and we'll just click send to tracker at the end. So if they're all 12 or negative EV, well, we'll send all 12 to the tracker, which will have a toggle between online and shop. So you can, you know, this is a shop coupon. You can have a look at this. You'll, and all 12 negative EV will be tracked over the day. And if they finish a negative EV by kickoff, so be it. But maybe one of them or two of them will steam in. And those will now be captured. Similarly, if we put any up that are good and then they drift to being bad at the end of the day, at least we know that at the end of the day. So we've caught those drifts. It's going to be really powerful, this thing. It's going to have sort of the ability to filter by match so you can bring up all the bets for the Man United game tonight. Um, it's going to have the ability to obviously filtered by bookmaker we're going to have the artificial intelligence in so that it starts learning new bet constructs picking up different and weird bets all of the time it's going to be cool um generation 2.0 of bookie bashing a real upheaval of the bet tracker coming up um and maybe some people in the past used the bet tracker a lot and then stopped using it um maybe because they don't want to bet boost so much the horse racing and the golf and other things and the darts there's non-boosts which is better for account longevity obviously um and also maybe because there were just too many static bets going up there i mean I've, i hate the static bets um but they've been a means to an end as we've learned how to build this all together it was it's been a month since the last bash cast in if it's another month until the next Bashcast, I've got a few things coming up in um, August. My mum's 70th, my brother-in-law's wedding and things like that, so it might be another month. Um, then I'd hope it'd be up. Perhaps it will. We're sort of aiming for the beginning of the next season. Um, so uh, something exciting around the corner, something exciting to keep our eyes on. This could be a really, really powerful tool to take um, sort of benchmarking and tracking our bets to the next level. So this is a segment I wanted to talk about for a while, but I wasn't able to because it wouldn't have been uh, the, the reasons why I couldn't do it, which I'll come to in a bit. By the way, during the break, which was uh, two seconds or no, about ten seconds on the Bashcast, half an hour in real life. Some value tonight in this new um, 100 series, looks like. The 100 um, Oval Invincibles versus Manchester Originals. First of all, terrible names, guys. Terrible games. The Oval Invincibles versus the Manchester Originals. 
You need to get your marketing guys working on that. That's not that's not true. I'd rather it was just outrageous. Do you know what I mean? Like the oval death dragons. If you're going to do it, do it properly. Do it Hollywood. Go spectacular. But, I mean, the Invincibles versus the Originals, someone's dropped the ball. Someone has figuratively dropped the cricket ball on that one. But within this, um, William Hill are priced up just standard price. Because, of course, um, it's early doors for these for this tournament. It's a new tournament. It's a new type of cricket tournament. Sort of take on the 2020. But uh, there's just 100 balls. So there's no overs, there's no innings or anything like that. There's 100 balls. Apparently, the theory here is that it's easier to understand what your run rate is because if you, uh, you know, if you have 57 runs to get from your 100 balls, then that's understandable. But 57 from an over with six balls, you're talking about how many runs per over. I can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to like it's the difference between imperial and metric. I guess if you're a die-hard cricket fan and you understand the concept of overs and innings and you've been used to it all the time then it makes no difference to you but if there are is an audience out there that this makes it easier to understand then all for it why not give it a go just come up with better names than invincibles and origins and originals sorry um but yeah william hill priced for the total number of sixes in the match i'm speaking slowly because i've just lost it here under 12.5 1.67 over 12.5 2.1 so they're odds on for the under now this is a new format uh new strategies in play so we're at the point where the bookmakers have the then the market makers have the least amount of data and knowledge to go off and that should mean that it's a higher edge for us um now how do we benchmark that we have to go somewhere and figure out what other market makers um, and traders have used for their lines and then we have to make an assessment of who we believe those two things this is how we do everything once so, some stupid twitter troll uh, claimed that everything was fake on the site well that, that's because we've got so much value and we benchmark all the fair odds and we calculate them ourselves and if they look a bit weird often they've drifted but everything is benchmarked through a calculation if you ask us about anything we can answer everything so nothing's fake you're just an idiot um who the guy i know who it was he's no longer with us also the twitter troll what did he say got any purple bra got any purple comma bra b-r-a-h i mean am i just old is it me uh, anyone that uses the word bra BRA. What one? It's a weird thing to say, because the purple we highlight as over 130% equity, just to make it stand out. So asking me if I've got any purple bra. What's he trying to say? It's confusing. And using the word bra instead of brother. What are you? Some some Rastafarian gangster? Come on. People that use that, I think they know that there are people like me in the world who talking to me like that it's like chalked out it's like fingernails down a chalkboard interestingly by the way scott stallings has just birdied now i'm not on scott stallings in the 3m in anywhere other than a 55 dollar 
DraftKings tournament that's got $50,000 up front. However, Stallings was only drafted by 2.18% of the people in this tournament. So 1 in 50 have got him. I was already doing very well in the cash. But that will put Stallings as the outright leader. And I could be in with a chance of sitting early doors on day one on the top $50,000 price prize at DraftKings where I have been cleaning up this year it's easy money I want to do a DraftKings tool it's just slightly harder it's slightly harder than just going out and doing it and benchmarking it against the exchange because there are other things going on but honestly just using the tracker to uncover value in DraftKings you find a lot of the shops have exactly the same guys that we have I'm going to be refreshing this in the background now that Stalling's done that because he's still tied one because the difference is going to be the difference is going to be when he's first on his own. Am I going to be sitting in first position? Because he's now overtaking Tringali. Tringali is one of those handful of people who are just in everyone's teams every single week with Jonathan Vegas, who's always value. Tringali, Hoffman, Charlie Hoffman's always up there. These guys frequently score well, very rarely win. I'm going to close down Pat on Kazir after he's got in the water twice in that hole as well. There we go. So anyway, how we benchmark it is find somewhere. Well, first of all, it's easiest to find somewhere that's got an over and underline. Never use somewhere that's just offering the over because they could be offering anything. You don't know. You could, they could be offering any price for the over. You can't just take the over and then work backwards from there. So uh, Bet365 often offer the over and the under. So going over there, number of sixes in the match. 12.5, brilliant. So the lines match up. Over 1.72, under 2. Right. So bet 365 are making over 12 odds on. I mean, there's markup in there, but they're 1.72. And when you've got two sides of something, then the lower price will be the odds on. So 1.72, under 2, over. So now we've got to say, well, how much markup is there? So take 1.72, take the reciprocal of that, take 2, take the reciprocal of that, which is 0.5 plus the reciprocal of 1.72, and you get the markup. I've got a little calculator here to do that. 8.14%. Add the 8.14%. Now I've got two columns here. I can do it with bias, and I can do it with fave long shot, and I can actually take the pessimistic price, or I can deliberately take fave long shot if I'm convinced that that's going to be bias that exists in that market. So the 8.14%, the pessimistic, is 1.86. Now, William Hill have it priced up at 2.1. So the question is, who is showing value there? Is the under at Bet365 value, or is the over at William Hill value? So I need a third bookmaker now with that line to try and figure out who are in agreement. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over to Sporting Index, to the cricket, to the hundred oval, invincible, the oval invincibles, Manchester Originals, into the match, total sixes, 13 to four, 13 sell by 14. So their median is between 13 and 14. So we've got to say now that it's bet three, it's uh, sorry, it's William Hill that are value. If they're saying over 12, Oh, is over evens. That's where the value is coming from. So I'm going to bench mark this with the bet three six five lines at two point one one point eight six. 
could possibly maybe use some sort of press on distribution on total sixes out of a hundred. Um, if we were using the cell line, it would still be 1.86. So 1.86 using bet 365, 1.86 using the cell line, I think. I mean, if it was using the buy line, it would be 2.1 to, which, you know, would be crazy, but it would be 2.1 to back 1.56 fair odds. But we'll go with 1.86 and we'll stick it up in the tracker. Okay. Right. Yeah, drifted off onto the cricket for that one. So we'll be back after this segment for the court case. Get to this court case. I've wanted to talk about this for a while. Now's the time. Just kicking some drums here, shouldn't we? Just like that. On the 23rd of August. 2020, my mum's birthday. If you went into William Hill, it was a Sunday, they have these uh, sports offers extra coupon. Sometimes the bets are big, sometimes they're not big. This is the, I was told about this earlier, they got four rows, three columns on the coupon. And I went through them, and a couple of them were plus EV. Um, sports offers extra G. Sunday, first half, midday, a goal in the first half. In each of Sunday's French League One matches at 25 to 1. Let's have a look who's playing on this day. We have Monaco versus Reims. Lorient Strasbourg, Nîmes Brest. Nice versus Lons. We also have sports offer four over one goal in each of Sunday's French League One matches, thirteen to two. So the final scores were Monaco two, Reims two, Lorient two, three, Strasbourg one, Nîmes four, Brest nil. Nice to Lons 1. The over 2.5 quadruple landed. And in those matches, Boulay Diaz scored for Reims in the fifth minute. Mendy Chari scored for Strasbourg in the 30th minute. Denke scored for Nimes in the eighth minute. And a penalty for Longs. Kakuta brought home a goal in the first half of all four of those games. So that's pretty straightforward, right? We'd put them up on the tracker. I, uh, I forget the fair odds, to tell you the truth. I, uh, we had just put them up as plus EV. I remember they were big. Um, and you never know why William Hill are pricing them. The over one goal wasn't huge, I can't remember. It might be like 7.55 or something like that. So it was like, you know, 130, 140% EV. N nothing like we haven't seen before. 
So um, we went into the shop and, and we bet on them both. Um, uh, the the over the goal in the first half was quite big, the twenty five to one. I can't remember what the fair odds were of that, but I think it was single digits, so just less than ten to one. So there was some sort of query: how is this going to go if it comes in? Um, but as you know, um, if it loses, William Hill will keep the entire stake. They'll only make amendments if it wins. They never get in touch with you if it loses, do they? So it's like, what game are we going to play when it wins? Uh, French League One, traditionally low-scoring league. Um, uh, you could pick a French League Two match, and a lot of them are even money for zero goals in the first half. So two, four, eight, sixteen to one might be the fourfold on them. So twenty-five to one's not outrageous. Outrageous. Anyway. Uh, I put this up in the trackers and I bet on it and a number of bookie bashing members bet on it and the reason I'm going to talk about it now is because we went to court to fight it and somebody else has been to court to fight it and there have actually been two different results of the court cases which now means that there is no precedence that I can talk about that can be referenced to you see if only if there's only my outcome and it um then that can be referenced to and if my outcome was bad and we'll come to that then that could negatively impact other people but that's not the case with this the case with this is that this has been taken to court and there have been different outcomes once we've got to court so we go to the shop the to, to pick it up and we get 11 to 4 9 to 2 on the 13 to 2 and 25 to 1 now, that was annoying because it's now gone so far under, um, like, the fair odds that that isn't even right. Um, well, l let's discuss what their arguments were, okay? Let, where are they coming up with those numbers? First of all, they just called it a palpable error, but they didn't explain why. So we, we sort of said, we need to know. We need to know. Why? Where at eleven to four ninety two is coming from? Where's the error been made? And it was stated that Paris Saint Germain were originally in the coupon to be playing in French League One on that day, but they were actually in the Champions League final in uh, in in Germany on the Sunday, so their game got postponed. Now here's the issue: we'd known about the Champions League final. Um, uh, being on the Sunday for the better part of 10 days and that coupon had been out for a week and they were taking bets all the way up to the Sunday despite the fact that Paris Saint-Germain were going to be playing Bayern Munich on that Sunday and it was well known I mean how they make the error and then they don't rectify it all the way up to kick-off on the French League one day it doesn't really make any sense but also what doesn't make any sense is if you added Paris Saint-Germain into that, then the 11-4 the and the 92 are still nonsensical. The 11-4 is probably not a mile off, but they're still adding a hell of a lot of margin for that 11-4. The 92 is just a joke. So we argued back and forward with the manager. Very polite arguing, by the way. Never, this is very important, always 
be polite. Always treat it as a business relationship, a contractual relationship. You are... It's like you and your buddy can't decide whose round it is at the bar. You're not going to punch each other in the face until you come to an agreement. You, you sort of discuss it and you go through exactly the, the events that led up to the two of you sitting down and drinking the current beer. Maybe discuss different perspectives and memories and that's that's how disagreements work and i've seen some people talk to live chat operatives and to bookmakers as you know really aggressive shouty manner as a customer and there are some bookmakers there's um famously what's his tits what's his name star sports guy that guy can't remember his name right now thingy Star Sports. Ben Keith. I got it without Googling. I started Googled. I, I typed in the word star. <laughs> he is very much a sort of thinks that punters can be really bad. And I think a lot of it is because I've seen a lot of them treat bookmakers with disdain. They and, and, and that is grounded in a fear, a fear that they're owed something and it's being stolen from them. And that's not the case. No one's stealing from you. I mean, maybe some real cowboy outfits in the back of beyond might be. William Hill aren't, aren't stealing from you. They, they have processes in place, and they believe that contractually they are in the right. Okay? So don't go after them, just like your buddy who thinks it's not his round, it's your round. Don't go after them and start screaming, this is pathetic, I'm going to sue the... This is going to be on Watchdog, and I'm going to... You know what I mean? It's like, that's, it, it, you're not going to, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar, right? So be polite. And we were talking to the same, the same dude, the same area manager at William Hill all the time. And we were firm in saying we pretty much don't believe that your palpable error is fair and would stand up in court. Um... Uh, and the backwards and forwards, there was a lot of inconsistencies. I don't really know what was going on. But first of all, they said there was a pricing error. They were just priced wrong on the coupon. Then they said the, there were two games missing. Then they said that there were one game missing. Then they said the, they had made a mistake with the mistake. Then they said when the coupon was printed, there was a mistake which was rectified. But the rectification was a mistake. And they rectified that. And that was a mistake. The whole litany of mistakes were getting quite confusing to understand. Um... They had said that due to positive test results for COVID-19, a number of games were impacted and postponed. This wasn't true. It just simply wasn't true. This was, this was a mistake on their part. Um, uh, uh, this is kind of the thing where a lot of companies are sort of just saying, well, because of COVID, then X, Y, Z. And this is like, a, this is like one of those moments. It's like, oh, because of coronavirus, X, Y, Z. They actually apologised for the mixed messages, which was down to human error and confusion around why some of the French League One games had been postponed. I mean, of course there was confusion, because they, they, they weren't postponed. I mean, there was, there was the one Paris Saint-Germain match, which was scheduled before the coupon was printed. This is why we're confused. So there were inconsistencies in the emails back and forth. Um, and they were sort of falling back towards the end that the um, their terms and conditions cover them for pretty much any scenario 
They were also saying that there were six games being played on Sunday the 23rd. Then there were five, then there were four, then there were five. It was really confusing to know how many. I mean, there were only ever four after the Paris Saint-Germain final with the Champions League. Um, the customer help representative stated that the new odds were the correct odds which we would have offered. This is the 92 and the 11 to 4. If we had been aware that there were only four matches taking place when the coupon was produced, um, uh, these changes were made at 12.52 on Sunday the 23rd of August and the screens advertising the shops were amended. Well, um, kickoff was 12pm, right? So they amended at 52 minutes after kick the, the first bet went and the coupon had been live all week so these are just kind of like you know they were they were giving what they thought were legitimate excuses and none of them were legitimate they didn't know how many games were meant to be played they didn't know what the odds were they were seemingly plucking them out of thin air the new odds and this was a major issue this plucking them out of thin air they couldn't even say how many matches they thought they were meant to be pricing up which is why that we decided that we were going to go to court. And this was August last year. It's now July this year. It's the 22nd of July. So this was 11 months ago. Um, so in our, in our court claim, and we sort of looked over the inconsistencies and the errors in their letters and emails and the applicability of their internal rules and the validity of their internal rules and whether it was an acceptable error under... A legal contract or repeated negligence as we know just after this time I started um, tweeting out every day that I saw William Hill make a mistake and I was able to tweet out every day for a fortnight I remember William Hill sort of saying this mistake was a very rare occasion it's like they make daily daily errors um, it's completely unclear to what degree the price needs to be incorrect before the bookmaker considers it to be obviously wrong. I mean, obvious errors include material differences with other bookmakers and prices that are clearly incorrect and odds misquoted as a result of human or system error. And we were asserting that none of those apply. You know, the bets on offer aren't easily calculated. They involve, you can't just stand in a shop, work out a first half expected goals and then a Poisson distribution of over zero for each of the five matches that you then compound together. That's not possible. Also, these coupons are great offers. It sounds like they're being advertised above a fair price, don't they? Great offers. Um, and they, stated, they stated that the accumulated prices for the bets were lower, but they did not detail how those figures were determined. It would have been really nice if they turned around and gone, this is the exact calculation that we're using um, to do so. But we asserted in court that they hadn't done that. And as such, the claimant, we're, well, we're questioning the accuracy of the statement and whether the odds were clearly incorrect. I mean, defining excusable errors as those made by judgment those made by humans or computer systems judgments it just conveniently embraces almost every eventuality it just sort of is a get out of jail clause for William Hill um, 
I mean, the relevant legislation here, the Gambling Commission, which is an executive non-departmental public body of the UK government, is responsible for regulating this. And they state that when you place a bet with a licensed gambling business, you enter into a legally enforceable contract with that business. Part 17, Section 335 of the Gambling Act 2005 states that the fact that a contract relates to gambling shall not prevent its enforcement. Um, a term which has the object or effect of permitting the trader to determine the characteristics of the subject matter of the contract after the consumer has become bound by it is unfair. Right? That is what is stated by the Gambling Commission. So, we ended up in front of a judge. This was unexpected. Um, it was a proper judge. Now, because of coronavirus, obviously, it was remote. It was done on a phone call. There was a judge. Uh, there were three lawyer representatives for William Hill. And they started um, their counter-arguments against us. First of all, they stated that uh, we were an unknown customer. Uh, as if somehow being unknown means that they shouldn't be laying us bets. If you think back, we discussed about that court case between the ex-bookie and uh, Coral up in Glasgow, where he, the ex-bookie had bet on Rangers to be relegated that season, and then they went into liquidation and went from the Premier League to the fourth tier of Scottish football, and Coral didn't pay out. And one of the things they said to the judge was that... Um, the gentleman was an ex-bookmaker, therefore he wasn't a recreational gambler and they do not lay bets to non-recreational gamblers or without using the double negative. They only lay bets to recreational gamblers. And the judge got very angry at this point. He says, this is complete nonsense. You can't just decide after a bet has won or lost if you are going to pay out based on whether the skill level of your customer. I got very mad at that. Well, William Hill were kind of using exactly the same argument here. In fact, I know with other people, they were using the argument that they were known customers. They were monitored and they were tracked. They accused someone of being an arbor. Well, this is not an arbitrage bet. And again, this goes out the blanket term of all wrongdoings or arbors or everyone's an arbor and they're a blight on us as a business. You know, we were taking a value bet. We were taking a pun that you would have kept the money had there not been a goal in the first half of every game here, right? So for one person, they were saying, because he's a known customer, we don't want to pay him out. And for us, because they were saying, because he's an unknown customer, we don't want to pay him out. Which was totally and utterly unfair. I wish you could have just held those two court cases side by side. The difficulty with me is that I know this is happening as I sit at the top of Bucky bashing. I'm the one that put the bet up. I know different groups of people that got on it. Uh, I follow the conversation of the different members that are fighting it. Um, so I have more perspective over this than everyone else, but I can't turn. I cannot turn and use any of that with the court system because we don't want William Hill coming and snooping at bookie bashing. Not that we're doing anything wrong, but they would just, they would find a way of suggesting that what we were doing was wrong. You know what I mean? Just an edit point here, because the guy on the motorbike that just went past, he sat at the lights outside and revved his motorbike engine. And the noise that it made. And then as he soars off into the distance at what sounds like 10,000 miles an hour, it's probably like 25 miles an hour, people do that on purpose. They, they, ch they change the exhausts, they modify them so that they make 
those noises. It's unbelievable. You should be in jail. That should be a criminal offence. You should be in jail. <laughs> grumpy, grumpy man. Um, so William Hill claimed that their argument was that we were either a known customer or an unknown customer. Great, that captures everybody in the entire country. So they were saying that if we were an unknown customer, they shouldn't have laid us the bet. And if we were a known customer, they shouldn't have laid us the bet. They also said that they, when they make a mistake, they re- refund the people when they refund customers, even if the bet loses. They made that statement. The lawyers were brash enough to make that statement to the judge. And the very next day, there was a series of very large um, Eurods on, I think, something like the Macedonia match in the Euros. Like, really large. Like, palp territory large. I hadn't picked them up. They were all picked up by automated bot or combination spec scraper. They were all to do with the first half. And they were all just, like, 300% EV. They were just completely wrong. Something like 100 to 1. They should have been 7 to 1 or whatever. And from what I read, people bet on them. I didn't myself, but people bet on them. Um, and I, I would have done had I had the opportunity, but I was just not looking at that particular moment in time. And um, amazingly, almost all of them won. Some of them lost. The ones that lost, William Hill kept the stake, the full stake. The ones that won, William Hill paid out at reduced odds. And the lawyers, the very previous night, had told a judge that that's not what they do. So it was unbelievable. They used that argument in somebody else's case, and they highlighted that that wasn't necessarily correct. In fact, they showed that they had staked £250 on a mistake. Uh, It didn't win, and they were offered... Or perhaps it did win, but that's not important. What they were, what what's important is they were offered a fifty pound free bet, so they could show proof that that's a nonsense statement from William Hill. Now a lot of this comes down to the luck of the draw, the the judge that you're given when you're assigned the case. Some they may be knowledgeable about sports and bookmaking. Our judge was not. Uh, and they were very sympathetic towards William Hill. And they found that we they found in favour of William Hill, and we have been awarded the reduced odds minus court costs, um, which is a significant reduction, which is a big shame. First time I've lost a case, uh, and every time I win a case against a bookmaker, we never log any of this profit in the sheet because you don't want to live and die your happiness or your expectation on whether you get paid out. This harks back to not getting angry. You treat it all as a game. And even when we lose, we treat it as a game. It's just a silly game. It's a game that we're winning long term. And this is a little short term blip. And it's an unfair short term blip. I mean, at the end of the day, they made a mistake. They couldn't prove what the mistake was. It wasn't that big of a mistake. But I wouldn't have bet any money on it had it had I known the real odds, definitely at those 11 to 4 and 9 to 2. So they've taken my money. They've taken actually the winnings is what they've taken, the net difference, which is thousands. And they've lined their shareholders' pockets with that money. 
people who are already wealthy enough to be shareholders in William Hill become incrementally a little bit richer because of the money that they've taken from me there. I believe, though, that that was a test case, which others could refer to if they wanted to. And, of course, given that we lose, it's not great to refer to it. And it's a shame that we lost. We normally do... The last time we won, we got a big box at a sporting event, fed all the all the boys and all the wives, the big meal, had some beers, watched the sport. Would have been nice to have done that again, but never mind. Um, and, of course, referring to our case, because we lost, isn't, isn't going to do any favour to anyone fighting this. But then we heard the great news that somebody else fighting exactly the same case won their case against William Hill. How good is that? Fantastic news. So exactly the same case, exactly the same French League One case where William Hill made mistakes and mistakes and the mistakes and the mistakes and the mistakes and the mistakes and then started throwing everything back on the consumer and the punter and arguing blue-faced. The exact same case somebody has won apparently the term used was an evidence vacuum um uh, so that's fantastic news and that really kind of shows you that these court cases nothing is particularly set in stone or clear this is the very first court case that i've lost against the bookmaker and uh, um i'm that's one for many I am now. I'm not zero for many, as I was. Uh, and it really came down to a judge that didn't really listen, um, ha didn't have any bookmaking or sports knowledge, um, and she really was just persuaded by the weight of information that was put in front of her by the William Hill lawyers compared to ourselves. But had we had the dice rolled differently and we'd been assigned a different lawyer, we would have won. Um, it's a shame that this is the way that it is, but this is the fairest way that the legal system works in this country. Um, we discussed appealing, and then you have to weigh up, you know, how how much mental energy do we want to put into this? How much time energy? How much risk of getting barred from all the shops with the edges that we have elsewhere, with the lucky 15s and so on and so forth. Do we want to put in, you know, the cost-benefit ratio there? For us, it just seemed like it was good to just to torch this case and move on. Um, for others who are fighting, uh, and people are still fighting, well, the news is, at least, that one person has won, one person has lost, we've lost, somebody else has won, um, and there can be no guarantees. Um, I think the best thing that anyone can do is just put in as much preparation as possible into counter-arguments under law as to why William Hill can't justifiably use their terms and conditions and stand by them willy-nilly. And on that basis, what we're going to do is I'm going to invite somebody um, onto the Bashcasts next time round with a, a, a lot greater legal understanding of this position of consumer law than me and can be quite clear and quite um, concise about the exact type of clauses that we want anyone still fighting this case might want to raise or argue 
Um, uh, uh, and I, you know, I hope that might be helpful. So we'll do that next time. Anyway, the news of the day of this coupon is that it is uh, William Hill one, Bookie Bashers one. But we are going into extra time, possibly penalties. And if we need to bring three talented kids off the sub bench to take those penalties, then my God, we will do so. Ah! I just wanted to finish this week with a discussion about why you're a prick and I want to run through this quite quickly because the temperatures actually got up to 740 degrees Celsius this evening and I'm meant to be going out to a restaurant later and if I'm doing anything I'm gonna need a beer to cool down because my skin is melting from have you seen that is it Robocop 1 or Robocop 2 where the guy's in that vat of acid and his skin just melts off it's it's so gross but it's over the top gross so it's okay yeah that's how I am just now so listen why are you a prick who am I talking about? I could be talking about you. Maybe I am. Uh, maybe I'm not. Um, what about the guy that left the feedback? Um, has anyone else noticed how far downhill the bash cast has gone? Long, dreary anecdotes about his own life. I can barely stay awake with the stories about America with no relevance whatsoever. Nah, not talking about you. What about the fella that um, signed up for 25 minutes and then requested a chargeback and he said for his reason for um, a chargeback the website claims he can provide corner prediction for the match including game corners home corners first half corners second half corners as well as home and away corners split by half however he can only offer some rubbish excel with no value there you go chargeback having one chargeback by the way, is just, just the one, it's such a limiter in terms of what you can do moving forward. I won't go any further than that. Um, what about the review re um, left recently? Uh, fantastic advice. This was uh, episode 174, but appalling singing. That's okay, I'll take that. And pronunciation of golfers. Does Tom actually watch golf on TV with the sound on? Otegi, not Otagai. Well now. Let's have a look. I was going to get. I was actually going to have him this week in both my draft kings. He featured quite well on um, the metrics graph that I did, um, and I was going to tip him, but I just didn't this week. I feel like I've had him many weeks around. Not a bad first round or a difficult Celtic man a day. Um, Otaiwaiwai uh, is in um, 43rd position. Who is leading this event? Some un guy, unknown guy, Vincente Norman and Nacho Alvira is in second place. So there you go. Listen, do I watch the TV? Uh, yeah, with the sound down. <laughs> but no, I'm not even talking about you either. Listen, you can find the bashcast good, you can find it bad, you can make your chargebacks because we have some rubbish with no value in the site. That is inconsequential. Those are decisions that you make. But why are you a prick? Well, it's because you expect others to pick up the baton for you because you woke up with a face that needed fixing and that fixing process is somebody else's fault and responsibility 
because you chose to run with a strategy and maybe it was right maybe it was wrong maybe it was about a variance or whatever and you feel the need to search outwards and not inwards because everything's about you what people are doing for you how you've been let down it focuses inwards like an arrow like a dagger it's all encompassing and it points in one way it's a suction of energy from the world around you and that's a decision that you make and it doesn't need to be that way but nobody's going to do it for you nobody is going to fix betting for you no one's going to fix your life for you either we all wake up with a face that needs fixing i mean nobody leaps out of bed joyously singing to the sound of music but that's all of our own responsibility we all choose our own risk strategies and perhaps the outcome could be a time of review and reflection rather than celebration or blame maybe everything is about the loved ones around us and what we can do for them and where we can find the energy to improve their lives whether it's people we know or perhaps people we don't because it's about what we do with others how we can improve them and the focus is outwards like a shield protecting people it's all empowering and it points in all directions it's an explosion of energy into the world from you you've realized it's your responsibility to go and fix the problems that you perceive around you not just for yourself but for others as well if you want to go and place a bet you're the one that has to log on and make the decision to run with that strategy no one's going to do it for you you maybe learn the strategy from elsewhere you've maybe picked up the strategy yourself but you're the one that's going to have to go and run with it and hopefully it will work and maybe it won't but that's a decision that you make and if you improve your own life and you can maybe improve the lives of those around you then you're a great person but maybe you won't do that and that is why you're a prick. This is Tom signing out.